Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host. And if you are not subscribed to this podcast, head now to gemmasgem.substack.com slash subscribe. This is where you will have all the articles and all the podcast episodes from Real Talk, Real Women. Today, we are welcoming Elita Summers. She is a useful and fun-loving lady with a mind that is both highly creative and highly analytical. These traits has afforded her numerous opportunities to learn and grow. While overcoming many of life's hardships and trauma, she has learned to channel her analytical nature more positively and embrace her creative side. Through this process, she has been able to transform into the woman she meant to be and appreciate who she had to be to get there. She helps small businesses, nonprofits, and authors convey their ideas in a concise manner that is clear and creative. Today's episode is <laughs> Miracles in the Midst of Hardship from Broken to Businesswoman. Welcome, Helita. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Elita, today on Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse, we are going to ask you to share a short version of your story of abuse and then telling them how you are victorious over all of that. All right? So okay. can you just lead us through the few ups and downs, the few big events that shaped who you are today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, growing up, I was always really curious, always had a lot of questions, learning, um, and that wasn't really welcomed in my household. So I kind of became a really independent child and would just read books and do worksheets and things like that. Um, I didn't really have a lot of friends when I was younger. And so I thought initially that was because like I'm an only child or what have you. Um, but as I began to get older, I realized that a lot of that was cultivated from my upbringing um, and those friendships weren't really encouraged. Um, and so as I got into high school, I realized, hey, you know, I can sort of do this friend thing, right? So I... I did marching band and I really enjoyed my studies and I made some connections there. Um, and that kind of carried me through college. And as I grew more into myself, I realized that, hey, um, some things I experienced growing up aren't quite normal. They're not quite right in the real world. Um, there was a lot of emotional disharmony in my house. I kind of figured, you know, arguments on the regular are the thing, you know, especially if there's a little sprinkling of domestic violence in between. I just kind of thought that was average because uh, what is it they say when you, um, you don't realize that it's function that you're in until you're out of it. So I realized that that wasn't really normal. Um, and within a lot of those memories that I had repressed, I had also repressed um, the sexual abuse that I had undergone. Because if I didn't, then it was going to be hard for me to move forward. Um, I kind of just had to do what I needed to do in the moment. 
So disassociating or repressing to move forward and using those positive things to kind of balance out the turmoil that I was in was what I did for a long time. But once I kind of had some equilibrium as a professional adult, then those things kind of started to come back up. And it was kind of, I was, I was faced last year to really address it. I couldn't run from it anymore. Um, and then the year before that, uh, my, my mother had increasingly become more combative with her alcoholism. And so I needed to decide, do I, do I want to have my children around her in this state? Um, I don't have any right now, but when it was just me, I could rationalize it away. But having been pregnant at one point and then realizing that behavior, I had to make a firm decision to prioritize myself, both with my healing from the past and now, you know, having that protection within my family. So all of that happened. And in addition to that, I had lost my job. Um, I did lightly mention that I had had a miscarriage too. So all of this is kind of happening at once. And it was the biggest reality check for me to really see, do I want to have a fruitful life where I'm actually truly happy? Or do I want to continue just trying to make it, just trying to, you know, not look like what I've been through, but never really fully coming out of that. Um, and I, I chose the latter, the hard work, the, the healing is what I chose. Um, and that's how my business came to be, Plume, Pen and Pencil. That's impressive. So what you, you did with Plume and Pencil, um, Plume, Pen and Pencil, is really to not only start your own healing journey, but involve others and share this community and and connect with your deepest thoughts and sharing them what has been that shift i understand that when you thought about bringing a child to the world you did not want that child to be around your mother i understand that was that enough of a shift for you to completely turn your life around and decide to be victorious? I think it was one of many things that kind of, like a, a domino effect in a way. So about two or three years before that, I was talking with my husband and my, my mom had a really hard time respecting boundaries. She constantly wanted me to be there every other weekend. Like I live an hour away. And so most times that was like, people would welcome the chance to spend time with their mother and only be an hour away. But there was no regard for like my husband and the time that we wanted to spend together or me doing personal projects or spending time with friends. It was, you know, you, you have this time, how she thought you should be spending it with me, but I'm a grown adult at this point. I get to decide how I spend my time and I'd rather spend my time with you when I can fully dedicate to that, but that wasn't working. And so I kind of felt pushed in a corner, like I need to address this because otherwise I'm gonna be parented while I'm trying to parent. And I can't, I can't have that. <laughs> I told my husband quite literally, like I'm not gonna be driving up and down the highway while trying to change diapers at the same time. Like it's just not gonna happen. Um, and so it was just 
a cascading type of a thing. And that, what we just mentioned was the last breaking point with that alcoholism. Like it was just, it was too much. It was too much. When you mentioned alcoholism, she started to drink? Or you started to drink? When- yeah, so she, she, she had been drinking since I was like six, but like a, six cans in a week turned into six cans in a day, turned into basically having some coffee and then two hours later drinking all the time and blatantly denying that there was a problem there, which again was palatable, like not proper, but it was palatable before it became violent and unpredictable. Like it, there was a, a level of dysfunction that I could perceive and predict on my own. But once it went out of that, I was like, okay, this, is, this isn't okay now, <laughs> which it was never okay. But <laughs> that was kind of the tipping point. Totally understand that. Wow. Yeah, okay, I understand that. So that has been the shift. Actually, the, the, when she really became alcoholic, like palatable, I mean, obvious, you cannot mm-hmm. miss that. Mm-hmm. That for you was a breaking point. Say, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. So are you in yeah. speaking terms with her now or are, are you just like silent treatments? Uh, we, are on, we are on speaking terms, but um, there is some distance that has to be made um, simply because right now I'm trying to have boundaries within my family as a whole. And so I've told her like, I love you. I, I want to spend time with you. But right now I have some things that I need to address. So if you can respect that space, then I'll reach out when I'm ready. Um, because, because in order to heal, you can't necessarily be up under that trigger all the time, you know? Um, and so it was hard for me because I, I still love my mother, you know, despite everything, she's a human. She's still my mother. I love her, but I, I can't be, continue to become that woman that I want to be if I'm constantly being exposed to that. Um, So yeah, there's definitely some space there right now. I would like sooner than later to close that up, but I know that it'll never go back to exactly the same way that it was, which is okay, because that wasn't exactly healthy. Um, It'll always be different. And I hope that she'll be open to a new dynamic, but she's not taking it very well. But all that being said, it's not like, okay, here's my mom over here. Like, I don't want to talk to her. I'm using that to better myself. I'm growing my business. I'm learning who I am without that kind of codependent aspect. I'm nurturing my marriage. You know, I'm growing in my spirituality. So it's it's not like a a flipping backhanded thing to be spiteful or anything. I'm really using that to go forward. And I hope and pray that she can grow with me but I understand that she has to make that decision and she may not be ready for it I understand that I totally understand that take your time it's it's really a question of taking your time making sure it works the way you want um Mm -hmm. clarifying how you want the relationship to work to give her very clear not only boundaries but ways that she is allowed to go around Mm -hmm. so that you can feel respected and she can feel heard, seen, acknowledged as well. Mm-hmm. Now, 
you'll see what's possible and what's not with yeah. her behavior, her character, and how she she is every day. And mm -hmm. uh, and you do always the best decision for you. And you know, you are so much not alone in that kind of relationship. There are so mm -hmm. many people struggling with exactly that. And it's always very interesting when you see Mother's Days and everything, like you're the best mother in the world and all those declarations mm -hmm. of love and everything. It's a real question here. Yes, we are moms when we are. And we have our moms. But the truth is that we are human beings fully complete in our own rights, mm -hmm. having a relationship with each other. This is what happens after the age of three to seven years old when we consciously separate from our mother and become a, a, an individual being. Right. And from that moment on, when we understand that and we stop seeing my mother, my daughter, my thing, or my relationship, but we start to say, okay, you are a person on your own. I'm a person on my own. Mm -hmm. How to respectfully live close or not to each other? How do we feel around each other? When I right. did ask myself those questions regarding my mother, I started to figure out what was really going on in my own feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I may not want to be too close around. I may want to have some distance. And currently the distance is like, last time I thought was Christmas. <laughs> That's <laughs> the kind of distance I, I, I can feel comfortable with. We are in speaking terms, though I don't contact her, or very little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's okay it, to use discernment when you contact people. You don't have to have that accessibility all the time. Exactly. It's interesting how you manage and, and probe the relationship with your mother. It's an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for sharing that. So if we talk about miracles in the midst of hardship from broken to businesswoman, what are some of those miracles that happened to you that are so prevalent and worth mm -hmm. talking about? Mm -hmm. Share those miracles. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, I guess the biggest miracle that we're talking right now is really healing from that, that sexual trauma that happened between my mother and I, you know, as a, as a child, because we have just hit maybe a year, a little over a year since I formally addressed her about it and, you know, decided to distance myself and everything. And I'm just so grateful because I'm in such a wonderful place emotionally, spiritually, like, it's totally understandable if a person was not functional right now, couldn't work, could could barely do just the things to get themselves together in the morning, you know, take care of themselves, take care of their family. Like a lot of people really fall apart with this. And I absolutely had my moments, like, don't get me wrong, but um, it, my healing was so expedited. And it was so real 
I'm just really grateful. So even though, so it was in June, it was last June. And even though everything was scary and overwhelming, like not to be TMI, but like I was so overwhelmed, I threw up. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really rough. Um, because all of that is actively in your face. Now, you know, everything that you push back is now there all at once. Um, and so even though it was scary and overwhelming, I scheduled an appointment immediately with a Christian-based counselor who, you know, she's a licensed therapist, but she could help me both naturally and spiritually to get through what I needed. Because even though it was really tempting to just not do anything and just sit there for a minute, like, because we need a human moment, I was concerned that I would sit too long and it would take me under. And so I pushed myself just to make the appointment, you know, like each session was its own and we moved at my own pace, but I pushed myself to get something on the books because I was like, this could really take me out. It really could. And I, I can't afford that. Um, because my, my husband and I had just gotten to a decent place after our miscarriage happened and everything. And I was like, we built this up. I don't want this to fall apart now. So the focus was on me to get the healing that I needed. Um, so I'm sorry, I lost that other question. <laughs> so uh, the question was around the miracles. Yes. Um, so that so that was really the biggest miracle that everything was so fast. Because honestly, if you had asked me like in June, July, August of last year, 2021, what my life would be like in a year, like, I wouldn't think it would be anything like this. Like I'm enjoying life. I am finding my own style. I'm speaking up because I used to be, um, I don't know if you know those wallflowers from Bath and Body Works. Yes, absolutely. Those were more outgoing than I was at the time. Um, I was I was really just kind of behind the scenes, always kind of in the shadows because I didn't have any confidence. And I had also kind of been groomed to like stay close and not really make too much noise and everything. So now that I was coming out of that, I was finding my own voice and like stuff that I like. One of the things that I like, a lot of ginger ale. I drank so much ginger ale because we weren't allowed to have soda growing up. Um, and so I rediscovered ginger ale and I drank way too much of it. Probably like four, six packs or 12 packs or whatever ginger ale in a month. And I was like, okay, this is cool. But now I need to chill on the ginger ale. Right. Just those small things. I really didn't have a lot of those small things growing up. So then all of these interests, you know, from the biggest to the smallest started happening. And part of that healing was also healing my desire to write. Um, my desire to write had gotten squished from a very young age. Um, I, was, I was enjoying writing. I was writing like short stories and poetry and everything. Um, but then when I was young, uh, my mother had found one of my diaries and she didn't like what was in it. And so she gave me a pretty wicked uh, tongue lashing. And that just broke my spirit so much. And I was like, I don't want to write again. So from that point in high school up until 
last summer, I didn't write outside of what was needed for college and work. And so like that, that healing of the writing was so beneficial for me. I, I first started actually helping other women tell their stories of overcoming. Um, women who had like come out of, who had been incarcerated or who had gotten out of um, a rehabilitation center, them saying, you know, they're healing and what businesses they're doing now. So um, Envision Proven Success is the nonprofit that I started with. And I wrote with them for two years. I still write with them sometimes, but she really kind of gave me that chance extended to Olive Branch to see if I wanted to try it or not. And that kind of jump-started my writing healing um, and really made me feel like, hey, I could maybe make some money off of this because I didn't even have a business at that time. Um, and I could feel the impact that I was making. So, yeah, the, the writing and the, the writing is a big miracle because I never thought I would again. I never thought I would enjoy it again. And healing holistically from all of that abuse was a big miracle for me as well. Um, and the last one I would say is my marriage still being intact after that because my poor husband was so blindsided. I really got to give him credit for sticking through, you know, um, he, because a, a lot of men would have walked out understandably it would have been a lot you know like it would have been a lot and he by no means was my therapist but him just supporting me in the way that he could meant so much to me you know him not saying oh wow like this woman's really broken I don't know if I can stay here meant so much to me um and so I'm I'm really grateful that our marriage is still healthy after that and it hadn't fallen apart. It took some hits, but it came back stronger. This is truly beautiful. So kudos to your husband for holding on dear life throughout all the speed bumps <laughs> and all the ups and downs and all the, the crisis and, and the good times because there are lots of good times as well. It's not just all yeah. bad or all good. It's like mm -hmm. there is a, a, a healthy balance. Yeah. You know, Today I was watching again, I don't know if you heard about Nightbird, who is a singer, and um, she has a lot of, she had a lot of health issues like cancer or something, and mm -hmm. she sings amazingly well. She created a song in which she really tells, you do not have to wait for life to not be hard anymore, to decide to be happy. Yes. Yes. And I always find that like, this is the most timeless wisdom I have ever heard. And the other one in that same realm is that do not let illness, hardship, struggle define you. You are not defined by your obstacles. You're defined by who you choose to be. Mm -hmm. And this yes. is what really helped us so a lot to bring forth the best out of people, out of me, to create the most beautiful things together. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. All right, Elita. So how people can reach out to you? I see 
bloompenpencil.com slash blog. Yeah, so I do have a I do have a website you can see on my blog, um, just encouraging tidbits, but also writing tips on there as well. Um, my email is on the website. I'm also on LinkedIn. I do have a personal Facebook, um, Alita Summers on LinkedIn and personal Facebook, but I'm not usually on Facebook. So if you want more of a response, uh, either the website or LinkedIn will probably be the best option. Good to know, good to know. So all the details are very precisely written in the description of this episode to make sure that everybody can reach out. And Elita, whenever throughout life, you change the, the handle, the URL, the email or anything, let me know because I will keep on updating it so that even in five or 10 years from now, when someone listens, can reach out to you. Okay, sounds great. Right? Okay, thank you very much for having come on board. Thank you for sharing your story, inspiring and making things move a little bit further. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye for now. You too. Bye-bye.